And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. On the phone line with us today is Reverend Dwayne Garner. He pastors Christ Church in Cary, North Carolina. And Pastor Dwayne, it's great to have you on with us today. Thank you so much for having me. Some of our listeners have heard of you before because we quite often now pick up a sermon of yours and air it 9 o'clock at night over proclamation. Uh, Today we would really like to talk about, Pastor, is uh, children in worship. A number of us are convicted that our children need to be with us in worship, and we're well aware of the distractions that may come. And it's such a blessing to us when uh, pastor and elders understand uh, why it's important. But, you know, a lot of folks I'm thinking may not realize the importance of this. So um, before we get to some details, um, why do we want kids with us uh, in the church, Pastor? The short answer is, in the Reformed and Covenantal tradition, we believe that children are members of the body of Christ. They are part of us. They are part of the covenant community. And when we gather in the presence of God to bring him our supplications, to hear him speak to us, to be fed at his table, we want the whole congregation present. Um, Church worship is not a concert hall. It's not a lecture hall. uh, It's not even a movie theater. It is an assembly of the family of God uh, before the throne of God, and so certainly there are going to be all kinds of little uh, uh, distractions or noises or uh, things that need to be dealt with or handled discreetly, carefully, reverently. But uh, if we're aiming for an opera hall environment or, or if we're aiming for a library environment, we're, we're aiming for the wrong thing. Uh, mm. we, we don't understand what worship is, and we don't understand what we're trying to accomplish there. So uh, I, I think we've got our our categories wrong before we even get to this question of what worship what worship is and why yeah. children should be there uh, if we're if we're looking for a completely silent environment um, of course we're looking for the wrong thing yeah that's a good point um, my wife and I grew up in uh, probably a different environment and the Lord formed our minds on my side it's imperfectly uh, over the years and we we landed in a place where you know in our heads where we really want our children with us in worship. And um, now our children are grown, and we have grandchildren. And um, it's a blessing. Um, One of our our kids go to the same church as we do. Uh, They have three children. It's our oldest son and and his wife. And, um, yeah, there's a little bit noise from time to time. But the other day, my wife heard our four-year-old and two-year-old she was talking to to our son, and he said that uh, they were doing something almost like playing church together, and they used the word of consecrating the the bread. <laughs> now, now that's amazing, right? That a four year old and two year old are are discussing this in in their simple terms. But to me, and to Deb, my wife, that is so healthy. When, when the very life of the church, and including its sacraments, becomes so important to these little ones that, that they're even talking about it when they're playing together. Oh, absolutely. It's so important from the earliest uh, days of their life that they always know 
that they belong and they are part of the body of Christ. And I have the same thing uh, with three and four and five year olds in my congregation who will, on the way home from church, will bring out something from the sermon or something I said or will laugh again about something I said two months ago in a sermon. They <laughs> listen and they pay far more attention than we give them credit for. Are they listening at the same level you or I are? No. But they're present and they're listening. And it's and it's for that reason it's important for them to be there. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. To us adults, maybe we don't realize how much is getting into these young minds and how much forming of the mind is taking place. This also tracks along with it's it's a conviction I have of not sending children uh, into a school system that will pollute their minds. Um, and, and someplace somebody wrote, maybe it was on your website, that it's not so much about informing the children as it is forming the children. Yes. Um, the, the schooling, let's say it's a homeschool, you are forming these children to be men and women of God, right? Yes. That's absolutely correct. Yes, I, I believe I've used that many times. Um, my my problem with public education and government education is not the information, which is a problem, but more than that is the yeah. formation yeah. Of, of the brain of the child of their life, the formation of their life. They learn a statist liturgy uh, at, at the government school. Yeah, so they you're you're the guy that liturgy. wrote about that. That That's where it came from, must <laughs> be. So I read that on your... Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That was... Personally, that was very helpful to read that. Yes. Now, um, we're, we're talking today with, with Pastor Dwayne Garner. He is pastor at Christ Church in Cary, North Carolina. And our focus is on children, the very covenant children that God has blessed you with, dear parent, or maybe now they're your grandchildren. You know, one of the frustrations is uh, we believe that children should be with us in worship. Now, if the baby starts crying and taking on, uh, what should a parent do, Pastor? Well, it, it all depends. If, uh, if it's a small child who's uh, barely fussing uh, or is quietly, you know, making uh, gentle, quiet noises, <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't have a problem as a pastor if you uh, give comfort and calm down the baby where you sit. I often refer to those little coos and cries and yelps as uh, their, their uh, way of giving praise. They're present Amen. among us, and, and I would far rather hear those little, little yelps or coos or cries than to not have them at all in our congregation. When, when we have children among us, they're very present vocally, and it reminds us that, uh, that we, we are a, a congregation with a future. If there are no children, there's no, no future. <laughs> so, right. uh, but my, my principle when I was raising and um, training my children when they were little in worship, if it goes on for more than a few seconds, I quietly excuse myself or my wife would excuse herself with the child and uh, calmly um, if they if they're old enough to need correction or if they need attending to you you fix it and when they're ready when they're calm you quietly bring them in and if you have a congregation full of little ones that's going to create kind of 
uh, traffic flow in the back of the building. Yes. <laughs> Many Sundays, I, I look up toward the back, and there's a little uh, bit of traffic going back and <laughs> forth. But I would far rather have parents who are loving and tending to their children with the principle of including these children in worship than to not have uh, children at all in worship. That would be yes. that would be far more uh, uh, de- devastating, I think, to, to think of that. So, yes. Now, um, our Lord had something to say about children. Can you refresh our memories? <laughs> oh, yes. In the uh, good old King James, he said, Suffer the little children to come to me, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. Amen. Uh, given... Uh, Jesus says we need to become like children. He doesn't. He doesn't instruct his apostles and say, "Yeah, the children need to grow up and be like you guys." No, he says, "You guys, you need to become like children to enter my kingdom." Yes, yes. I just love that picture. Um, didn't the disciples um, think a little bit different regarding children and Jesus at the time? Well, I think the situation you're referring to is when mothers are bringing their children to Jesus to receive that a blessing for yes. him to lay, lay his hands on them, and they think, oh, no, 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 this this new covenant, this is all for grown-ups, this is all for people who get this thing intellectually figured out, yes. and who mm-hmm. can articulate certain propositional truths, and Jesus cuts right through this. Now, if if that were true, if the new covenant were purely intellectual and internal, uh, and required a certain level of maturity, if that were the New Covenant, Jesus has the opportunity right there to to make that bold affirmation, to say, you guys are right, these kids have no part of me. But he doesn't. Mm. He invites the children, and he sets the child right down in the middle of them and says, you see this baby here? That's what you need to be like. Uh, yes. in, in terms of dependence and trust, children know nothing else but trust. They are completely contingent upon our love and provision, so they must trust us. We teach them how to doubt. One of the ways we teach them teach them how to doubt is by sending them away from the body of Christ and saying, ah, when you're older, uh, then you can be part of oh, us. Oh, so but, true. But not now. Yeah, <laughs> not now. Now, yeah. um, we, um, we always think um, generations down the road, at least I hope we are, and um, in your article, by the way, uh, he wrote an article, folks, uh, Keeping Little Hands and Minds Engaged in Worship, and another article, Minimizing Distractions in Worship. Uh, the first one, and I know you don't have a copy in front of you, but you, you say this, With my children, my goal was always to make worship a delight for them and not torturous. Um, how did that work out for you? <laughs> Well, I I have in mind, in God's law, several times, he says, don't boil a kid in its mother's milk. And mm-hmm. I think the principle there is don't use the thing that's given for life, uh, don't use that in a destructive way. Yes. And I never wanted to be, uh, I, I never wanted my children to view church as something that was um, being boiled in milk. I didn't want them to take yeah. the, uh, the the experience of being in the covenant with God's people to be a loathsome experience. I wanted them to look forward to that, and I wanted them to enjoy that and to be really happy, because I want them to see the body of Christ as the happiest, safest place in the world to be. I don't want to be anywhere else. This is this is my tribe. These are my people. Um, so the way we we did several things, but I believe if you ask my children today. Um, to uh, ask what it was like. I believe that 
Sunday is still their favorite day of the week. I believe that uh, the Lord's Day in worship is still the highlight of our of our life as a family because they've always been included. They've always been part of it. And uh, my, my intention has always been to make it joyful. And and I hope, I think I've, I've achieved that by by being deliberate about that, by, by putting that goal in front of our family. Yes. Now, what about the little ones? Um, maybe there's a two-year-old, three, four, and um, th- they're going to have a hard time sitting perfectly still, being perfectly quiet. Do you give them something to um, um, quietly keep them busy? Uh, is that okay to do? In my opinion, yes. There are, there are families who somehow magically have these wonderful children who don't need any uh, anything to keep their little hands busy, and they can just sit on their bottoms facing <laughs> forward. And it's like they come out of the womb as just good students of the Word. But I didn't have those kids. Those were not my children. No, I, no. Uh, so we, we always kept on, um, my, my wife always kept a bag of little little books, crayons, little bitty soft, quiet things that were only for the Lord's Day. And so we would keep this bag, and these things were not accessible the rest of the week. But when the Lord's Day came out, they, they had these, um, and, and it was just quiet things to keep them busy. Mm-hmm. Not a whole, you know, 64-pack of crayons. One, no. or, one or two crayons are sufficient. You don't, need, you don't need big books with rattly pages and, you know, uh, uh, big, big noisy things, you know, toys with batteries, obviously. <laughs> you don't need those things. But, yeah. but very soft, very small, quiet things, a little, uh, a little container of of Cheerios can keep a uh, two or three year old busy for a good long reformed sermon. You know they can they can <laughs> keep busy with Cheerios um, or those little rice puff uh, things. Yes, and with a little bit of care and attention and planning, uh, you can you can get a child, uh, even a wiggly child, through worship on your lap. Uh, and, and keep them quietly busy, and even while their hands are working on something, they're still listening. They're still ah. part of it, and they're still getting it. I'm glad you mentioned that. I wanted to ask about that. If if they if they're if they got the little puffy thing, and now and then they're taking a bite of one, <laughs> and 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 they and they're coloring, and they're not looking up towards uh, the pastor at all. Does anything get in? <laughs> well. If if it doesn't, then then I uh, have never learned anything in all my years of training and <laughs> class uh, uh, class attendance because I I have to doodle for my brain to work. Um, I there have to go. be either writing or or scribbling or or, or doodling, and that uh, something about that engages my engages my brain. If I'm forced to just face forward and not move a muscle, it is very very difficult for me to uh, stay engaged. But so if it works for me. And, and I've sat through many hours of conferences and classes and, and training. If it works for me, then certainly I believe a two, three, four, five-year-old, yes. six-year-old uh, can keep their, keep their little hands busy. And that helps. That is loving to everybody else around them. Because if a child has nothing to, to engage with, and then you're just you're boiling them in their mother's milk. You're you're you're, yes. you're uh, boiling the kid in his mother's milk and making them sit there and then loathing that forty-five minute sermon and just can't wait to get out of there. Uh, and then they start wallowing on the pew and and it's just a mess. And you're angry and they're angry and and it doesn't work out. But love them, uh, give them something to fiddle with for just a little while, something quiet, and uh, draw, color, whatever. 
and uh, and 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 keep them engaged. I I believe that's far more successful of a plan. Now, um, you have this other article, Minimizing Distractions in Worship. So knowing full well that the children are to accompany us uh, in the house of God on the Lord's Day, uh, you have some practical suggestions for parents for minimizing distractions in worship. And uh, I'm going to jump to the last point. I think it's point number five. Um, where you talk about where to sit in the church that uh-huh. will help yes. the parents. What's your opinion on that? Well, ordinarily, the back the back rows ought to be occupied by people who need uh, quick as- exits, and, and depending on how your sanctuary is configured. But in most sanctuaries, uh, the back the back rows are closest to the door right. or uh, cl- closest to the narthex, um, and and where parents can flip out discreetly and quietly. You don't want to bring a crying toddler all the way from the front row, all the way back through the whole <laughs> sanctuary. But if if older people would move up and allow the back rows to be occupied by people training their children, then then it's far less distraction. If all that you know thing is going on behind you, then you're not bothered by it, <laughs> and then yes. and then they they're able to more discreetly slip out, and and so that's just been our practice. To, to leave the back rows for uh, children who are being trained for worship. Yeah, that um, seems to me that's the considerate thing to do. Um, how about other practical suggestions for young families? Well, um, I, I always want to uh, remind everybody, occasionally I, I have to remind everyone, let's, let's all hit the bathroom and hit the water fountain before worship. Uh, we don't need 10, 11, 12-year-olds wandering around in the middle of worship um, trying to find a, a water fountain or a bathroom. Take care of that beforehand. There's no, unless you have a, an illness or a, you know, some medical condition, <laughs> you should be able to sit through. You know, these children have sat through uh, Marvel movies or Disney movies or Star Wars movies without getting up and <laughs> going to the bathroom. So they could, they can sit still. And then um, if, uh, you know, especially when God's Word is being read aloud, uh, that's something that I mm. uh, maybe even um, harp on a little bit, is that we really want to be still and quiet and silent when, when God's Word is being read. But there are many other opportunities in the worship. There are transition times. Uh, when everybody's singing, if, if a child is making noise, uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't bother anybody. No. If, uh, you know, there there are these. If music is playing and and uh, we're we're moving from one section to the next, that those are not big. You know, those are not big problems if if somebody's making noise. But but there are times where it's it's time, and the children need to know this. Even two, three, four, five year olds, it's time to sit on your bottom, face forward, <laughs> and uh, and you know, be quiet for this yes. time. And it's it's a uh, you know, it's, it's good training for them for even other parts of life. Have you ever been to a museum or a, uh, a a presentation in public where you see uh, children from other families none of them know how to sit still none of them know how to be quiet <laughs> and then <laughs> and then you can tell oh that that must be a homeschool family who who take their children to church with them <laughs> and because all the children are sitting there because they've been trained they know they how have. to they know how to listen they know how to pay attention yeah right um yeah, that's a good point. Uh, today we're talking with Pastor Dwayne Garner of Christ Church in Cary, North Carolina. And Pastor, I came across you somehow doing a search, and 
needing some sermons for proclamation. So some of the folks at Redeemer Broadcasting, some of the listeners have heard you on the air. How about sermon prep? Uh, This is more of a pastoral question. I've heard that other pastors try to get the prep over earlier in the week. Um, this This is off the subject now. Um, but 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 you know that children are going to be in the congregation certainly. Um, yes. How does it work for you? Your sermon prep. Uh, how do you get it all done? It's a it's an all week procedure, uh, an all week process for me. I, hmm. I begin Monday morning reading everything that I can get my hands on uh, relevant to the text that I'm going to be choosing uh, for that Sunday, and I I typically go chapter by chapter, verse by verse through books. So it's never, mm-hmm. it's usually not a big question of, of what I'm going to do the following Sunday. It's just the next chapter, typically. So I'm, I, I read everything that I can um, through the first part of the week, listen to everything that I can, that, you know, other, other men who have preached on these texts. And then I set aside Friday uh, to start writing as early as possible, and I spend all day Friday writing, so I write a manuscript every mm-hmm. Sunday of every word that I'm going to say. I don't trust myself to uh, speak off the cuff, so I have to write down everything. Yeah. And then uh, and then hopefully by 5 o'clock on Friday, I've got, I've got a manuscript, and I can tell my wife I'm going to be home for supper on time. Occasionally, some of that prep uh, extends a little bit into Friday evening or Saturday morning, uh, but but it's it's an all week process. I would love to be the guy who gets it all wrapped up by Tuesday afternoon, but that's never been me. <laughs> um, some people might say, "Oh, pastor, you're writing your sermon. Um, you're not being led by the Holy Spirit at the moment." How would you answer that? <laughs> well, I I pray that I'm filled with the Spirit as I write. Uh, I don't I don't right. think God blesses. Uh, our our messiness, uh, nor does he bless our lack of preparation uh, as much as he does preparation. Certainly, he can save our bacon in a in a tough moment, yes. in a difficult situation. But but ordinarily, God loves order, and part of being orderly and and well prepared is to uh, think through everything before you stand before God's people. I take preaching so seriously that I don't ever want to just shoot from the hip or say things off the top of my head. In fact, when I go off script, occasionally I'll, I'll uh, foolishly go off my manuscript, and that's when I say something that's really not helpful. <laughs> that's when I say something that's not good, and then I have to come back later and explain or retract or or, or amend it. So mm-hmm. uh, I, I've got to, I'm not one of these guys who can just, you know, speak extemporaneously. I've got to, I've got to have the, the manuscript in front of me. Yeah, that, that means... And I pray God blesses it. Yeah. Y- you know yourself, and that that's wise. Um... We're almost out of time. Uh, direct us, if you would, please, Pastor, to your website where people can learn more about your church and uh, possibly listen to a sermon uh, if they'd like. Sure. We're at Christ Kirk NC. So that's Christ K I R K N C, as in North Carolina, dot com. That's beautiful. And um, your current sermon series is. It's it's taking the folks through the book of Revelation, and um, what little bit I've heard, I think you're doing a great job on that, by the way. And um, how long have you been at your church? I have been here since June of 2012. Oh, neat. Very good. And if someone has a question for you, uh, I assume there's a link 
Um, in fact, I'm looking at it right now. There is. There's a link to your email on your website. Um, so I'm assuming that uh, they could email you if, if they want. Yes. Uh, feel free to contact me anytime. <laughs> okay. Well, I want to thank you very much for joining us today. And any wrap-up thoughts? Um, oh, I know what I wanted to ask you. Um, liturgy. You've mentioned that in passing. Um, the liturgy that your church follows, does it help or hinder the children being in worship? It it helps because we are not simply passive observers to musicians playing and a pastor speaking, but we come into worship, uh, we sing, we kneel, we stand up, we lift our hands, uh, we we then hear God's word, but then we we give and we eat bread and we drink wine. And there are many little pieces of music, like the doxology, like the Gloria Patri, like the Song of Simeon, like the Lord's Prayer, things that we do every single week that the children know and sing, and they don't need a book in front of them. Uh, we use the same prayer of confession several weeks in a row so that mm. even little little readers can keep up uh, the Apostles' Creed. They've got it. Little little people have it memorized. So there's there's more things in the liturgy, because it's so participatory. There are more things for them to engage in, and they know, oh, now it's time to give to God, and oh, yes. now it's time to sing the doxology, and now it's time to stand up, and now it's time to kneel, that it's very, very participatory and not uh, at all uh, passive, uh, or, or you're not an audience, you are a participant in worship, and it, it engages them. Yeah, well put. Pastor Dwayne Garner has been our guest today. And Pastor Dwayne, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. And dear listener, please join us next week for another edition of A Plain Answer.